Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 6th of October. Further explanation of what I mean about the small minutes by the Jazz and whether they can still be elite defensively. We'll look around the rest of the NBA and get you ready for a preseason game that, well, it might actually matter a little bit. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. I uh, want to open up the show today. This is Locked on Jazz, by the way, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. I want to open up the show today with a little... Uh, idea and opportunity for teachers. Okay? So if you are a teacher, or if you know someone who's a teacher, I'll probably post this on my, uh, I will post this as well on my uh, Facebook here later today at Locked On Sports. So uh, you can check it out. But he- here's the concept. We want to do a kids ask the players a question segment of our show. And so I'd love it if teachers actually used it as some sort of a, uh, teaching, make it fun or something about maybe where the players are from, or I don't know, but it doesn't have to be basketball. It's up to you. You guys know how to teach. I don't. And so what I'd like, here, here's the process. We'd love it if, and, and I'll, again, I'll post this on Lockdown Sports so that it's a little on uh, my Facebook so that it's easier to read. Uh, but if you have a class with some kids, we'd love it if they would call our voicemail line, which I'll give you in a second, say their name, just their first name's fine, um, what grade, what school, and if they'd like to say what teacher, and then which say that they'd like to ta- ask Rudy Gobert what his p- favorite part of the French Riviera is, or whatever. It doesn't need to be a Pulitzer Prize award-winning question. You're more than welcome to, though. Ask something serious if that's what your class is. We will then take the question to the player, have them answer it to your student, edit it together so it sounds like he heard it exactly and then answered it. We will play it on our radio broadcasts, and we will then send it back to you. So the last thing I need you to do is make sure you include your email address. Okay, does that make sense? I hope so. Here is the phone number for you to call, 801-237-38. 801-237-38. 38. That would be great. All right. I thought that'd be fun. Uh, and I figure if you're a Locked On Jazz listener, then we might as well give you an extra insight uh, to it all. Uh, I hope everyone's doing great. Preseason game against a real NBA team, which I think is good. We need that. We need to find out some things. And I think we can find out some things, which is also good. Uh, there's a lot to be said for this one. They've got these two guards that can really come at you, Eric Bledsoe and Devin Booker. Both averaged over 20 points a game. Uh, they got this. It's gonna be interesting to watch the new, the new rookie, the rookie, the fourth pick of the 
NBA draft out of Kansas, who they are very high on, and Josh Jackson. And then they've got young bigs that are athletic and will play uh, who aren't very good yet. I, I'm still a fan of Dragon Bender. Um, not quite sure entirely what I think of uh, Marquise Chris, uh, more just kind of the anger and frustration he seems to play the game with. And I think that that's um, – and I'm not sure I understand why. And so that makes me question a little bit of where he's coming from uh, in this ballgame. So it'll be interesting – uh, to see. By the way, our get to know interview today is Tabo Cephalosha. Had a nice conversation with him last night. I really, I brought this up. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about last night. I brought this up earlier. Uh, Jerebko Cephalosha Udo. The Jazz added adults. They added adults. People who have been through some life. Tabo has two kids. He's been through the thing with the New York police. Uh, Jerebko's got two, one kid, one on the way. Udo's traveled to Turkey. They're Drebko's been through the Achilles tendon. Uh, Udo's been kicked out of the league. Based, not kicked out, but like, you know, the league said no thank you for a while. And I just think they have a level to them that gives me – I think it's going to win us some games. That, that That's what I would tell you. I think it's going to win us some games. I don't know how else to say it, uh, but I do think that they have a, a – a capability and a um, maturity that is going to keep them engaged with an understanding of what they're doing at a much higher level um, than you would if you if you got kids. It's it's where you know some of these teams that everybody has winning. I question because uh, they're so young. Like Philadelphia, the love affair with Philadelphia to me seems a little out of whack. Uh, as much because um, of of the youth. I mean, I, I can't believe that Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz are ready to start defending. I, I feel a little bit of that way with Denver. Um, only because just, you know, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Nikolai Jokic, pretty young. Really young, actually. So... You know, there's, there's a, Minnesota's not is still young, but at some point I would think that those some of those guys defend. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but we added we added adults. Speaking of Jarebko and Johnson, I brought this up on yesterday's program, and I, I think this is a key to the entire season. We have two things taking place with who we are as a team, and I'm not sure that they are congruent, and it makes me a bit nervous. So we're, if we're going to be successful, we need to be elite defensively, okay? If we are elite defensively, we're going to be good. We're going to be much better than anyone realizes. We walked through that yesterday on the program that the amount of teams with a two differential is last year was almost none. It was like seven teams. And if the Jazz can be as good as they were last year defensively, uh, then... Getting a two differential only means you have to be about 20th in the league offensively. So if you didn't, yesterday's show was really good. I, I'd suggest the questions that came in on Facebook Live got into a bunch of things. The, the concept here was that the Jazz defense last year was about four points better than league average offensively. So the Jazz offense defense last year, the defensive rating for the Jazz last season 
I believe, was 102.7. So they allowed 102.7 points per 100 possessions. The league average offensively was about a 106.5. So the Jazz defense was almost four points better than league average. All this is about is a differential. Is your differential better than, you know, in other words, are you scoring more points than the other people? Last year, there were only eight teams in the NBA, makes some sense, that had a differential above two. If the Jazz defense is the exact same as it was last year at 102.7, and they their offense needs to be at 104.7 to, to get that, right? That's the same offense last year as the Memphis Grizzlies, which was 19th in the NBA. Same offense last year as the Sacramento Kings, who were 20th in the NBA. So if the Jazz can be exactly what they were defensively last year and 20th in the league offensively, their differential is two, make them the ninth best team in the NBA. That's pretty encouraging. To do that, to me, the key of the entire season to do that is how good they can be defensively when they don't have both Gobert and Favors on the floor. Now, these numbers are a little different than the ones I just gave you, which is really annoying, but it's just kind of where we are statistically. And there's a great website called NBA Wowie, which stands for NBA With and Without. So looking at last year's Jazz and looking at how the Jazz played last year when they had both Gobert and Favors on the floor, According to NBA Wowie, whose numbers, again, are a little different, the defensive rating was .995, or 99.5, okay? When Derek Favors was on the floor, and this is not a healthy Derek Favors, and we had, let's take Jeff Withy off the floor, let's take Rudy Gobert off the floor, and let's take... Boris Diaw off the floor. Because really at that point, Boris is playing the five. So this now has favors on the floor with Joe Johnson or Joe Ingles or Gordon Hayward or some sort of lineup that's small. Right? The Jazz defensive rating was a 1.126. 1.126. Pretty bad. Like... Not quite sure NBA Wowie's numbers, but definitely bottom half of the league. Okay? Rudy Gobert, same circumstance. Let's put Rudy Gobert on the floor. But Rudy Gobert is no longer on the floor with Boris Diaw. He's no longer on the floor with Jeff Withy, which he almost never was. He's no longer on the floor with Derek Favors. And the Jazz defensive rating is a 1.06 probably better than league average. This is the key to me. Rudy, by the way, did this for 2,734 possessions last year, or 1,400 minutes. Derek did it very little. Derek, because of the injuries, and so that's a huge part of this, is can Derek be healthy? Last year, Derek's did it for 561 minutes, or about 1,000 possessions. And then Rudy and Derek together on the floor, again, due to injuries last year, um, were on the floor together 
for about a thousand and nine possessions. But but a little bit in five hundred forty one. A little bit to my point is, you know, they were still only on the floor. You know, if you take those four scenarios, it was a basically what you got was a quarter, a quarter and a half, and a half is Gobert with a small lineup, and the defensive rating was a one point oh six. So what I'm heading at here is to be elite defensively. The more time we play Favors and Gobert together, the better chance we have of doing that. However, that's hard to score with, particularly with a non-shooting point guard. And so we've seen in the preseason that the Jazz are heading toward Favors and Gobert play together for the first six minutes. Joe Johnson comes in, plays with Gobert for the next three minutes. Gobert then sits down. Favors checks back in to finish the quarter. Joe Johnson has now played six minutes. Johnson probably stays in for the next three minutes before Jarebko checks in. Still playing with Favors as the center at this point. With about seven minutes left in the quarter or so, Gobert checks back in. And then the question at this at that point, he's got to check back in for Favors because Favors has been on the floor already at that point for 14 minutes. And I don't think you want him to play much more than 28 minutes a night. And now for the final seven minutes, Gobert and Jarebko go together until Joe Johnson probably checks back in for another one of his stints. Or you might just have Joe Johnson play six minutes Six-minute stint, so he plays six minutes in the first to close, plays six minutes in the second to close, does that in the third and fourth, and he plays 24 minutes a night. And then Gobert and Joe Johnson are closing. And the question is going to be, what is the Jazz defensive rating when it's favors and Johnson, favors and Jarebko, Gobert and Jarebko, Gobert and Johnson? That's going to be the question. Can they maintain elite defensive play when they open up the floor to create more offense by spreading the floor. And last year, they didn't do that. When they were small, partially because they were so poor when Favors was the center, but even when Gobert was the center, the number of 1.06 is a little better than league average. It's not elite. So that that's just an interesting, to me, that's a huge part of what we're talking about here. Today's show is brought to you by... Murdoch Hyundai. I was out with Blake yesterday. We actually had a nice day. Ben Murdoch and Blake and myself uh, and Adam uh, went and played a little golf. Uh, when you go to Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, make sure to drop a note to Blake that bundles a stupid golf game. It's actually not. Like, we gave him all sorts of crap in the round yesterday that it's a totally stupid golf game, and it doesn't have a lot to do with skill, but it's pretty fun. And I got to admit, like, I was totally into it by the end of the round. Um, And Ben was totally into it to make sure that Blake didn't win because they're brothers. So don't tell him I said that. Just tell him I said it's a ridiculous golf game. And he'll laugh, hopefully, or he'll fire me. And then I won't be driving Hyundais anymore, which I really like. And I'm in the Ionic right now, which I like really like. I got, you know, it's funny is when I had the Santa Fe, I had the same thing. I, I'm driving the cars for Hyundai to get to know them and, and have the experience, which totally has blown my mind about um, how good a car it is and the quality you can get for the money 
and I drive them for it's cool. I you know, hey, I'm not lying. This is a cool deal. I drive them for like 3,500 miles, and then I get another one to try something else. Both the Santa Fe that I had and the Ionic I have right now, I'm like watching the miles. Like I don't want wait wait no no don't don't run out. But I've also love driving them, so I'm driving them everywhere. Uh, I got a cool another email. This is from, well, it just said Build Today. He didn't give me his name. David, followed you on Locked on Jazz for a long time. I heard about the Santa Fe on the show. Brandon was great. Got me a very good trade and finished in a day and a half. They were easy to deal with. Love my Santa Fe 2.0 ultimate. Great deal. Employee deals at the end of August were crazy. Thanks again. This is from Peter. He does give me his name. So here's what's going on at Murdoch right now. First of all, if you you know if you're not, a Hyundai guy, right? And I was not. I really, honestly, I swear, in the opening meeting, I was scared I was going to mispronounce the name. <laughs> and I, I've had my mind blown about the quality of car and what you can get for the value. The safety packages are amazing. You know, and like, for example, on the Santa Fe, go shop the Lexus and then go look at the Santa Fe and you'll find out you're getting all the same things and saving like $20,000. The Ionic hybrid I'm driving right now is sweet. Uh, my dad drove it. He drives the brand new Prius. He thought this one actually was a little smoother, and it's a little cheaper. It's not the huge $20,000 saving, but it's a little less expensive than the Toyota Prius, so check that out. There's also the Elantra, the Sonata. They're all just amazing what you can get for the value, and then Hyundai's got super deals going on for you in October. Plus, there's the Murdoch element of it. Getting to know the Murdoch family, they want to make sure you have a super, super experience. All right, that is... Uh, kind of the crux of what I had for you. I was going to check around the NBA a little bit, but we'll do that in a little bit. Here is, we'll do that next week. There's nothing major today. Here is Get to Know with Tabo Cephalosha. All right, let's get to know Tabo Cephalosha. If you took me back to your hometown in Switzerland, what would you show me? What would you, What are the things you'd want me to see? Things I would want you to see is definitely uh, the waterfront. We got uh, Lake Geneva, which is really nice. And the contrast between the plains of the lake and the mountains in the background, uh, pretty unique sight. Pretty gorgeous. Very gorgeous, and you can definitely go up in the mountain. I would definitely take you up uh, up in the mountain. Uh, it resembles a little bit of uh, Utah and the and the surroundings, um, so you wouldn't be uh, uh, feel like you're too far from home. Can I ski? Definitely. <laughs> when you're retired, I'm coming to visit. How many brothers and sisters did you have? I have three brothers and two sisters. And where are you in the birth order? I am uh, right in the middle. Two older brothers and one older sister. And, and well, anyway, three, three older than me and two younger than me. And the two older brothers, did you play against them and try to keep up with them all the time? Yeah, so one is uh, um, never played basketball. He was into rugby, but my brother is one year older than me. Um, we played basketball together for a long time, and that was a competition for me. It was to uh, basically uh, beat him one-on-one. And when did you first beat him? I think I was probably 17 or 18. Oh, it took a long time. It took a while. It took a while. <laughs> he was playing. He came to the U.S., played also uh, in junior college, then played professional in France. Uh, if you took me back to your childhood room, what did it look like? What, were there things on the walls? Or? Uh, it was a lot of posters, basketball, Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson. Paul Pierce, Chris Weber, um, and it was a little drum set. I used to uh, play uh, the drum, um, so that was that was always in the room. When you were playing as a kid, where did you play most of your? What was your first hoop, or where did you play most of your your games? 
or just your fun mm -hmm. time? Well, I, I started playing street ball, so it was uh, in front of the school. Uh, they had some, uh, they had some uh, basketball hoops there, and I played, you know, with my brothers, friends, and that's how I really started and spent most of my time. And who did you pretend to be? I pretend to be probably uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. We heard of them around here. Uh, <laughs> what was your first nickname? First nickname? Um, I think when I came to the U.S., people started started calling me uh, the Swiss Knife. It's <laughs> not bad. I like it. <laughs> not bad, and I think it, it, it suits pretty well, you know. Uh, versatile, I guess. I like it. Uh, what is your f uniform number that you're going to wear this year, and is there any story behind it? So the number I'm going to be wearing is number 22. Um, I always wore number 2 and number 25. 25 was taken, number 2 was taken, so I decided to double down on the 2. <laughs> uh, and you're drinking your water, so you're, you're getting used to the desert, I can see. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> used to it. Um, it. It's been pretty rough. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting Utah to be this dry. Uh, but definitely I need my water next to me. Get your water and your lotion. Uh, NBA is all about downtime, whether you want it to be or not. There's just so much of it. What do you do to pass your downtime? Uh, so um, TV, computer, books, uh, and now I'm, I'm, I'm uh, looking into uh, the business world a little bit more, so I'm reading books and educating myself. Uh, what is your favorite road restaurant? That's a tough one. This 29th city we go to. Uh, There's great restaurants and all of them but one. <laughs> um, I have to think about it. I'm sorry. Nothing come out come, come in my mind right now. I was in Atlanta the last three years and there's great restaurants there. Tender Grease South is one that comes to mind. Uh, it's one where they serve uh, South African food. All right. I'll put it on my list. Well, that's really a question I just asked so I can take all your places. All right. <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure got to be chocolate. Swiss chocolate? Swiss chocolate, definitely. <laughs> what is the most memorable moment of your career? Going to the final, playing the final with uh, Oklahoma City. We had such a young team and um, improved year after year. Um, it was it was special, year, special years. So there's two books that are very popular about either Elite Talent or uh, Elite Talent is Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. And the other is Grit by Angela Duckworth, which is more about perseverance and things of that nature. So when you think about your career, what made you believe that you were going to make the NBA? Wow, you know what? For a very long time, um, I didn't know if it was possible. Coming from Switzerland, which is a country where basketball is, is uh, fairly unknown, uh, I heard many times that you know it was just a dream and it would never happen for me. But I, I think, you know, like you said, per 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 perseverance for me was the key, just believing in myself. And uh, by the time I was 18, 19, I moved to France, and then I, I realized I was uh, even at that level, I was I was pretty good. So um, I figured I had a shot. Think back on that journey. How? What did you do differently than other kids? How were you different than than the other kids around? It's it's hard to tell. You know, I think uh, everybody's a little bit different. Um, but like I said, you know, I never gave up. Uh, I, I believed in in in, uh, in myself believed that it was possible and regardless of what anybody was telling me uh, but it took a lot of a uh, uh, lot of hard work and um, a lot of time spent you know where the friends go out and and have fun and all this and and you stay home and and work on your craft what allows you to resist complacency 
Well, I think, you know, uh, it's a challenge with yourself. Um, at any level, at any point in your career or, or, or you know, of your life, you know, I think you, uh, you can always challenge yourself, and that's what I try to do, just get better every day. One of the books that quotes, to do anything really well, you have to overextend yourself. What are examples of you taking yourself out of your comfort zone and overextending yourself? Well, I think for me, you know, it was when I was young, uh, leaving Switzerland at a fairly young age and going to France, and after that going to I Italy. Um, and all that, you know, I was by myself, left my fam family behind. Uh, so for me, it was, you know, exploring my ta talent uh, and see how far basketball would take me and how far I could, um, you know, push myself and and, uh, and exceed really what anybody uh, uh that I was capable of doing. Using another quote, doing something over and over that is unnatural until it becomes natural is elite performance. What would be your on-court example of something that's been unnatural for you in your career that you've just had to work till it became muscle memory or something natural? Well, I think there's talent. You know, uh, there's 400 players in, this N in the NBA and all of them have talent. But I think, you know, to... Uh, to compete at that level, you always have to work, and you have to repeat the same movement over and over. And I think you can you can take that you know whether it's uh, uh, dribbling skills, whether it's passing skills, whether it's shooting skills, all of that you know you apply and, and you put hours and hours to it. Talk about doubt. You've had to guard some of the single greatest offensive players in the history of this game. How how do you avoid doubt when with that assignment, whether it's your former teammate Durant, whether it's Hart, I mean, the list is endless. What do you do in those circumstances to not have doubt of whether you can actually guard them? Well, you got to embrace the moment and uh, not put any pressure on yourself. Uh, my mom used to tell me, you know, as long as you give 100% of yourself, uh, you can live with fa failure. Um, you can live with... Uh, not exceeding your expectation, uh, but as long as you give 100%. So what, that's what I try to do. I play really hard every possession, every game, and, uh, you know, I, I just leave with the result. Is there, when I mentioned perseverance, does anything come to mind for you that you think is the ultimate example of perseverance or something in your career? Mm. Well, you know, I, I think I just look back at where I was uh, 20 years ago, you know, leaving Switzerland living in Switzerland, you know, where basketball was basically non-existent. And, uh, you know, just believing in myself and, and every day, you know, uh, getting on the court and, uh, you know, bouncing that ball, even though people thought it wouldn't lead, lead me anywhere. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it, it turned out the way it did, and I think that, that shows perseverance. Why did you have this love for basketball if you were in an environment that didn't have the same love for it? It's a good question. Honestly, I don't know. I think my brother, uh, my older brother, you know, one year older, uh, definitely pushed me, uh, pushed me a lot. You know, I was trying to compete with him. Uh, he was very good. So, um, you know, I think that 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 competitiveness um, came from having a brother that's close in age. And after that, you know, I took it with uh, every challenge uh, I faced. Do you remember at the end of a game the good plays or the bad plays? I think in the short term you remember the bad, and month or weeks or years later you remember the good and when you're on your you've done this plenty of times you'll never do it again hopefully but your fifth game of seven nights or your tenth straight day of practice or how do you get what what drives you back to the gym i think the feel, feeling i get after practice when you don't want to do it and you go through it and you give 100 percent of yourself 
that feeling that you get afterwards of accomplishment, of knowing that you got better because you didn't want to do it in the first place. Um, that's what drives me, I think, just to, uh, to push myself uh, in, in, in days where it's hard to get up of the bed and, and go, to, go to work. <laughs> Welcome and uh, nice chatting with you. Thank you very much.